As 2023 comes to an end, let's take a look back at the year that was certainly a year. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and we are joined by my partner in crime, Nick Zararis, for this end-of-the-year recap, wrap-up, trip down memory lane. How are you feeling about it? Um, As you said in the intro, it was certainly a year. <laughs> it was a long year full of ups and downs. But before we dive into all the goodness, uh, today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. And make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Because we're, we're still going in 2024. There's no slowing us down. Where... I feel like you can't even start like with a typical calendar year when you're looking at this team. No, you can in general because, you know, hockey season ends in June and starts up again in October. So like we're counting from January till like, you know, the game they played the other day. So when you're when you're talking about the bridge of two seasons, I mean, the single biggest storyline of last year was was Daryl, because we were all kind of in agreement that this wasn't working. Um, we now know in hindsight that the flames were aware it wasn't working and the owner would not sign off on firing Daryl in season. So they effectively punted the second half of last season under that, under that premise that, well, the owner says we can't fire Daryl because they don't want to pay him not to work. So whatever happens these last 30 games, 40 games of the season, that's what's going to happen. And we're just going to have to wait. Yeah. And I mentioned on yesterday's show, I didn't realize that it had been nine months so uh, if you found out you were pregnant back when Daryl Sutter was fired, congratulations. Um, I hope your baby and you are healthy. Um, that just, that feels like such a long time ago because I feel like the flames have gone through like seven stages of like metamorphosis or whatever since then. And I think along with Sutter, it it's Huberto. Yeah. I think that's fair. With what was it, 55 points last season? That's uh, to go from 115 to 55 and have the largest drop in points in NHL history. That's that's hard to do. It's funny you bring that up because somebody I follow on someone I follow on Flames Twitter retweeted um an NHL.com straw poll of their writers from the Mar March of 2022 when Huberto was still a Panther. And, you know, the Panthers were one of the best teams in the league. And uh, he was winning their straw poll for Hart Trophy on March 22nd of 2022, ahead of guys like Connor McDavid, Igor Shosturkin, Kel McCarr, you know, guys who have maintained that level of play. And I think Huberto's inability to adapt and just, I think... We've talked about this a lot from the perspective of the Flames don't have the complementary pieces to set him up to do what he's good at. 
And because he's not in a position to do what he's good at, he's been wholly uncomfortable, no matter what they've done, who they've played him with. Now two different coaches, slightly different systems, different responsibilities, different assignments. And, you know, he's on pace for even less this year. He's only on pace for like 35, 40 points this year. And that's if, you know, he starts playing better than he is. I mean, he's getting 17 minutes a game of ice time, which tells you he's getting power play time. He's playing a lot of five on five. And no matter how much they use him, they're just, it's not clicking from a hockey perspective and from a confidence perspective. And that's the other aspect of this that we've talked a lot about that no matter how talented you are, if you don't feel good about your game, you're not going to be able to play as effectively as you would if you were yeah I mean it the confidence it it has to start somewhere you know fake it till you make it I understand that it's like 20 some odd games now without a goal and probably I think around the same for a point um but he is going to be back up on the top line, supposedly, uh, against the Flyers on Sunday. So I'm interested to see how that goes. And I mean, I I don't know. They just need to figure. They need to figure it out. But they don't have an answer. There's no solving this. I feel like I, we. I feel like we definitely titled at least four episodes over the course of this year. We don't know what the Flames are, or the Flames don't know what they are, and yeah. I think that's the undercurrent of all of these other storylines we've discussed that because they have been so one foot in one foot out on pretty much every decision they've made over the last two years, they haven't been able to establish the direction they want to go in. Are they rebuilding? Are they retooling? Are they trying to contend? And because they've been trying to do all three of those things at the same time, they haven't been able to make any real headway on any of the, any of those three steps. It'd be one thing if, you know, they traded everybody at the draft or at the deadline last year, it'd be one thing if they had given Lindholm and Hannafin extensions and said, no, we're going for it. We're going to add on to this group. But this lukewarm, this tepid indecision has trickled through every aspect of the organization. They have valued continuity in promoting two guys internally from a team that underachieved last year because they were familiar with those guys as opposed to maybe splurging, spending a little bit more money on an established coach or general manager. And that indecision has left them with more indecision. The Flames are not atrocious. They're not good. They're a little bit below average. That They're fat in that thick, fat part of the curve of average. Like when you're looking at a bell curve, they're right there in that soggy middle of, yeah, they're five foot nine in a sea of five foot eight people. Or excuse me, I should say five foot seven because they're slightly below average. They're a five foot seven man in a sea of five eight men. That, that's what the Calgary Flames are. And I just, I really do feel like that's, been the direction for quite some time after talking with uh, JJ earlier in the week about, you know, his lifelong fandom and what, what he's grown up watching uh, and witnessing in the organization. And I I don't think it's going to change, which is kind of unfortunate. I understand that old habits are, you know, die hard and are not exactly the easiest ones to break, but something's got to give. Something's gotta give. Um, I I hate to tell you what that thing that gives is because that's you know um, that wouldn't be very nice to say this time of year about somebody. So we're we're gonna leave it at that in that respect of what needs to change with the flames yeah. because 
at the end of the day, you can only do what your owner wants you to do. I, I, I we, we've talked a lot, a lot of are the Flames honest with their fan base? Are they honest no. with their intentions? And no, they're not because the Flames came into the season saying, okay, the big issue with our team last year was the coach. So we're going to replace the coach and everybody's going to play better because of how last season went. <clears throat> everybody's going to play better. And that'll be the difference between, you know, missing the playoffs by four points and making the playoffs this year is that everybody who underperformed last year is going to perform better. You could say maybe if you wanted to be generous, half of the guys on the team would play better than they did last year. And even that would probably not make up the difference between the four standings points they missed the playoffs by last year and what they are right now. Yeah. And um, going into 2024, trying to be a much nicer and less shady person. So we will leave it at that. And we are going to take a quick break and talk about players of the year uh, right after this. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to take a quick break and talk to you about a product that has been a staple at Locked On NHL for quite some time. Our next partner is AG1, the foundation, foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. It's great if you want to, you know, boost that immune system, get your brain health going, play some memory card games while drinking it, get get the juices flowing. All great athletes out there have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies. And a huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. And since I've started taking or drinking AG1, I've noticed that I just feel sharper. I feel like I'm more on my game. And I have this sustained energy to get me through my long day job and then to continue uh, after work doing the podcast and watching Flames Hockey. And AG1 helps you build your health foundation first. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. Check it out. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us on this 2023 recap of your Calgary Flames. Players of the Year. Nick Ritchie being the the shootout uh, choice. That I feel like that really sums up 2023. I forgot about that, in all honesty. There's been a lot of those silly moments. I mean, as far as, like, genuinely Players of the Year, mm -hmm. I mean, I would, I'd say it has to be Mackenzie Weger by default. Yes. Because he was probably he was their best player last year. He's been their best player this year. He's been better than he was last year so far this season, and he's really kind of solidified himself as the NHL's preeminent defensive defenseman in a world where those types of guys just don't exist anymore. Because there are a lot of guys that hockey media people say are defensive defensemen, and they say that because they hit people and they don't produce offense. That's not being a defensive defenseman. Being a defensive defenseman is actively preventing offense from happening when you're on the ice. And Uyghur is one of the handful of guys in the NHL who is actively good at that, who doesn't rely on just throwing his body around. He's got superb positioning. He's got one of the most active sticks of any defenseman in the entire league. He's great at breaking up those cross-seam passes that really dominate today's game. I mean, there are other guys we could talk about for sure. We could talk about Blake Coleman. We could talk about Backlund. But I, I think for me, for sure, Uyghur's been the Flames' best player of the calendar year. 
Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Uh, I believe Blake Coleman leads the Flames in goals in the calendar year. If I that um, that's while that's fantastic for him, it's definitely concerning for other aspects of your game. I'm really glad that uh, he's kind of found his game again. Not not that it, he lost it, but definitely felt like pieces were missing and. For Uyghur, do you think if the Norris Trophy truly was voted on and the nominees were not just offensive defensemen, do you think Uyghur would stand a chance in a defensive defenseman? I think there's a real argument that there should be two separate awards now because the language of the Norris Trophy is the best all-around defenseman, which it hasn't gone to. I mean, Eric Carlson put up 100 points last year, but was a, was really bad defensively. If you are saying all-around defenseman, that means all-around. That means defense and offense, not just points. Yes, points are inherently more valuable than defense because you can't win a game 0-0. But to win an award for all-around defenseman, you need to reach some minimum threshold of quality of playing defense. I think there's a real argument that they, there should be two separate awards now that, you know, there should be an offensive defenseman and a defensive defenseman. In a defensive defenseman award, yes, for sure, Mackenzie Weger would be one of the candidates for that award perennially. Like the way the Selkies been Bergeron, Kopitar was Kopitar, Bergeron, and Taze for all those years, Weger would be one of those three guys if there was a defensive defenseman award for sure. I'm so glad that Weger has settled in, um, yeah. you know, and shown us what he he has so far this season. I. Remember seeing the return for the Matthew Kachuk trade and it just being uh Uyghur at first. And I was I was excited. I was like, okay, like this is gonna do great on the back end. He's someone that I mean can't really fight, but he can he obviously can defend and put up points when he well, he's like one of the only players that does put up points for the flames. So um, you know, I, I was really happy and it's it was definitely a tough year last year all around but he's definitely come miles from where we were last year oh no for sure he definitely got off to a rough start last year and that's part of any acclimation period i mean mm -hmm. anytime you go from one environment to another you're gonna have to adapt because the team's not going to remodel the way they play to make you comfortable. You are going to have to adapt your game to what's already in place. I mean, we've talked about this a lot in respect to Huberto that the, the, excuse me, the Panthers and the Flames play very different styles of hockey. So that acclimation process was always going to be difficult, especially for someone like Huberto, who is always dependent on shooters, finishing plays, dependent on faster skaters, carrying the puck through the neutral zone. Uyghur definitely didn't settle in that easy last year. It definitely took a good 15, 20 games for him to get situated. But once he got settled in, they started playing him with Tanev, and Tanev would play on the offside. They really kind of put it together for a good stretch last year, and he's been their best defenseman so far this year as well. It's really good to see. And, I mean, Rasmus Anderson, this is just the other side of the spectrum, I guess. We've seen – I mean, he's still – you know, obviously effective, but I feel like we've seen a decline in his play. Um, you have a more, I guess, better trained eye than me. Um, what do you think that's about? I think part of that is just, you know, he got hurt last year. He said himself, I rushed back from that injury. I, I'm still kind of getting used to my body again. That's, yeah, that's a real... I don't want to say we overlook that part of the rehab and reacclimation process of coming back from a significant injury, 
But he played the second half of last season with that injury still bothering him, which obviously had an impact on his well on his ability to move the rest of last season. So you got to imagine he was walking differently and skating differently to compensate for that injury. He got the procedure, he rehabbed, and then he kind of had to relearn how to move again with, you know, how that feels after that injury. Because we we talk about this a lot for if you have a, a sprain or a strain, because that's not serious enough, serious enough where you need surgery, but you do need to wait. But if you're going to play through those types of injuries, you are going to compensate. You're going to move mm -hmm. differently, and that's going to make other parts of your body weaker because you're overstraining them to compensate for what's injured. So you have to imagine he played the last 30 games or so of last season with that. I think it was a hip injury was really what was bothering him. Yeah. Entirely moving differently where, you know, you use your hips to pivot off of when you're to transition how you're skating. So when you're doing that, you have to play that way for 30 games. You get the procedure. You come back from said procedure, you do your rehab, and your body feels different. So I think with time, he will get back to what he was pre-injury. But it's definitely something we are guilty of overlooking in that rehab process. We just assume, hey, this guy was really good. He got injured. Medicine is good. His body will be more or less the same after the procedure. But there's going to be a readjustment period that we're definitely still in. You know, we talk about more serious injuries, the process, the recovery process being upwards of six to eight months where you're feeling like yourself again. So give it time. I, I'm not worried that there's something fundamentally wrong with Rasmus Anderson. That's unfixable. I think it's a matter of getting comfortable in the way his body feels post-surgery and going from there. Could you say the same about Mangiapani since he played all of last season on a mangled shoulder pretty much? And obviously... Yeah the more wear and tear you do to something that's damaged, it's just going to get worse and take longer to heal regardless of a procedure. For sure. Absolutely. Anytime we're talking about serious injuries, you are going to have a readjustment period. Anything that needs surgery, your rehab, all of those types of things, those take time. You can feel good and like you don't have any aches or anything, but being comfortable playing a professional sport is very different from, you know, getting out of bed and not having pain. Yeah. And that's definitely something to remember. Um, you know, there is, un not unfortunately, but there is that human element side of it. You know, uh, I'm sure many of us, when we get out of bed in the morning, feel a little stiff and old, and especially with cold weather. But uh, yeah, so coming up next, we will wrap up the show with moments of the year and the flames provided us with plenty to talk about coming up right after this it is almost the halfway point in the season flames fans and we still don't know what the flames are and we don't know if they're gonna secure a wild card spot or completely drop off in the standings but Regardless of where they are in the current standings, I want to remind you that you could win big by playing Daily Fantasy Hockey on Sleeper, the official Daily Fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for Daily Fantasy sports and especially Daily Fantasy Hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in Daily Fantasy Hockey contests. All you have to do is pick weather studs like McDavid, Ovechkin, Crosby, or McKinnon will record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, 
plus, minus, and more in a given game. To win 100 times your bet on Sleeper, you just need to correctly predict eight of those player stats. And you heard me, Flames fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. Use promo code LOCKDOWNNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that is code LOCKDOWNNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into today's episode of Lockdown Flames. You can follow us on X at Just Bell Mosto and at Nick Zararis. Would you consider? I mean, obviously, Daryl Sutter getting fired is a, a moment. She was the moment um, back in April, May, April, April, <laughs> um, April. and it all blurs together. I know. It, it does because you know that's last season was one to forget, and then that the off season just felt like it was never going to end. But other than that, what 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 sticks out to you? I mean, this is going to sound silly, but them getting throttled in LA. Yeah, yeah. That that game in particular sticks in my brain, obviously because you were there, but also like. We, the Flames are really in crunch time at that point in the season where it's like, hey, they've got 15 games left. All of these division games are six-point games, and they laid an egg against L.A. They laid an egg against the Ducks. Mm-hmm. Just that game in particular was like, okay, the Kings are clearly going to the playoffs. They have the ability to win a round or two when they get there. The Flames got their doors blown off before that game even got started. No, that You know, there, there are many moments in history – where people will say they remember where they were. And I will remember where I was when the Flames just, it was an absolute bloodbath at uh, the, whatever it's called now, Crypto Arena, Staples Center, whatever. Um, Yeah, no, that game was, that that was a tough one to watch. Um, I paid, actually, no, I didn't pay to go to that game. Um, But people did. People paid real American currency to sit there and watch that. I, oh my God. Um, I, I know this was only a rumor, but as soon as the season ended, seven or so trade requests seemed to trickle in. And then they magically went away after Daryl Sutter was fired. That was, was very funny. funny. That, was, that was very funny. Yeah, that definitely. I think like three or four people sent me like a graphic on Instagram and they were like, what does this mean? Who is, who requested a trade? Like, probably everyone, probably everyone that doesn't have a no movement clause said, get me out of here or get him out of here or get me out of here. And they did it. What I will say in respect to that is there are very few people out there in the world who genuinely like their boss. They enjoy interacting with them. And that, that's like, there are people who have good bosses. For the most part, we all tolerate our authorities. We, we deal with them. They're respectful of us. But as soon as clock to- as soon as I'm off the clock, I don't care. Don't talk to me. Don't message me. Don't bother me with anything. 
When you are going to work every day and you are actively dealing with somebody who is a miserable person, Daryl, you you can say what you want about how he is as like a person one-on-one, that he's a good person, he takes care of his people, whatever. But as far as dealing with the media and dealing with the players, a miserable person, an absolutely miserable human being that, you know, the whole, oh, you're not finding out you're not playing till after warmups when you go back to the locker room and he wrote the lineup on the dry erase board or guys who would get called up and not find out they weren't playing until after warmups. So they paid for people to go to the game to see them play and they didn't actually get to play in said game. You know, that type of stuff is just unprofessional. We're supposed to be the most, uh, this is supposed to be the most professional, best hockey league in the world. And we have a coach running this like a high school hockey team, because this is how it was when I was growing up back when we played hockey in black and white. (laughs) Yes. I remember it might've been last year or the year before um, I revisited the Kings locking Daryl out of the locker room. Oh yeah. I really thought it was going to get to that point with the flames because I mean, we knew things weren't great. And then it started to come out that, you know, backland was, they were getting into screaming matches and then the psychological warfare on the poor goaltenders, like that is just not a good environment. So, you know, I really do have to hand it to the players for doing what they could to kind of send a message. I mean, they are part of a union, but it can't really, I guess, strike uh, as hockey players. But um, my God, I'm so glad they did that. It was necessary. I, mm-hmm. The way I look at it is this. Yes, the Flames aren't particularly close to anything of, of note. We, we can all agree that, you know, the best case for them is they realize they're not that good. They trade off guys at the deadline and they pick like seventh or eighth in the draft. That is the best case scenario for the big picture. But you knew you weren't winning with Daryl. And we said, hey, we know our owner likes him and our owner's not going to be happy to pay him to not coach the team. But we need to go in a different direction. Now, they still need to figure out what direction that is. But they took the first step. They realized, hey, this is not working. We can do better than what we currently have. There are some teams who refuse to accept that. There are a lot of teams that say, hey, no, this is just a rough patch. We'll be fine. And they do that for two. Yes, it's a two year long rough patch. And that's who you are if it's a two year long rough patch. The Flames are just, they're such an interesting case study because I feel like, you know, there, there are problems and there are very practical solutions. And, you know, Brad Living did as much as he could for the 10 years that he was there. And, he, he tolerated a lot. I'm never going to be like, oh, this poor guy, he had to work with so-and-so when you're in professional sports. And, you know, there's like 30 of the jobs in the world. Like, hey, if you really didn't want it, you knew who Daryl Sutter was when you hired him the two the year and a half prior. You thought, hey, we have a good group that's underperforming. They need a guy who's going to come in here and ring out all the BS and really whip them in the shape. And they did that. They had a great season. They lost in the second round. Okay. You should have realized that, hey, we lost two of the four best players on this team, two of the 20 best players in the world. We're probably not going to be able to be as good as we were. And Daryl's temperament is going to wear thin on the guys who are still here. But they, they, they stubbornly, Brad stubbornly said, hey, no, 
we're good. We can get two, we can get three players in here who can be 80, 85% of the two guys that left. And that'll be enough to get us in the playoffs. And we're capable of anything if we just get in the playoffs. And we saw how that played out last year. Yeah. Someone posted uh, one of those on this day in hockey tweets. And it was from 2002 when the Flames originally hired uh, Daryl Sutter. And he still had that scowl. That scowl has been just like burned into his face for the last 20 plus years. It's like a TV when you leave it on one channel for too long and it gets the logo gets burned into the corner. Oh man, that well, I'm glad uh, I was never on the other end of one of those uh, scowls because wouldn't end well for me. So I think that does it for today's episode. Thank you everyone for tuning in this year. It has been a fantastic year. Um, Thank you to all the new listeners that have started hanging out with us and Nick, any final thoughts? Um, be safe this weekend, friends. Yeah, please take an Uber or, or don't go out if you don't have to and have a shot for me. <laughs> <laughs>